politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for liberty to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for Thursday, January 14th. And folks, I have pledged this year to give you more. We've been putting on longer shows. I'm also going to start putting out more videos so you could follow me at Rumble, Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary at Rumble. Obviously, we still have our Citizen Sanctuary Facebook page as well as our Minutemen Speak Easy page. Uh, but we are going to look to migrate um, to things like Cloud Hub, Gab. I don't know what else is out there. We'll let you know. But as always, until iTunes kicks me off, keep leaving a five-star review and send the show to 40, 50 of your best friends. There is a lot to talk about today. Our liberties are at stake beyond anything we could have ever imagined. Last year was the year we lost our Bill of Rights with the exception of free speech. This year, they're coming for the final frontier. So now's the time for us to push back against all of it, all of it, and have not just the Second Amendment sanctuary, First Amendment sanctuary, a sanctuary from COVID fascism, but a complete American constitutional sanctuary in the 83% of counties and half the states that Trump won. If even we, if we only did that in half the, the areas he won, the areas he won by a more significant margin, we would be in a better state of being. There's a lot to talk about on that front, the tyranny front, the constitutional sanctuary front, where we go from here. And I'm just telling you, ultimately the best way to organize is to do it in person. You should do this in your own communities. And I definitely want to hold our town hall together. We're going to have an in-person, the first in-person town hall on the week of February 7th at Front Sight, Nevada, the greatest firearms training facility in America. Come and join me at constitutioncoach.com where you could sign up for either the three- or five-day defense training. It's the best defense training you're going to get. Um, you could bring your weapon. Uh, make sure you just follow TSA rules when you fly or rent one from Front Sight. They got everything there for you. And we're going to have Constitution classes at night. We're going to chat together. That's going to be our time to strategize as a people what we do in our communities because that's really where it is. We know what we have to do. It all revolves around self-defense, working together with our sheriffs, our local officials, being well-armed and trained, knowing the laws, knowing the Constitution, that's what Rick Green and Constitution Coach are there for you. So again, constitutioncoach.com to see all the info. We will likely have Rick Green on the show tomorrow to discuss what the trip will look like. If you're just looking for the itinerary, uh, what to bring, what to do, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Now, I just want to begin with yesterday's news, talking about impeachment. First, we'll, we'll talk about the Democrats and then move on to the Republicans, which is really two sides of the same coin, as you well know. Again, I just marvel, marvel at the indefatigable nature of the Democrats, their moxie that they have, 
you know, you think whenever they have a scandal where a guy's caught screwing around with a Chinese spy, maybe they'll just keep quiet. They're certainly not going to kick the guy out of the party like we do when we feel we have a scandal and the media's on top of us. Eric Swalwell, congressman that they have who was caught in bed literally with a Chinese spy. This man was one of the managers of impeachment. One of the managers of impeachment. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does, but the point is the Democrats will fight for their beliefs with no shame, with no hesitance in their, in their voice, in their conviction, in their strategy. When are we going to believe and fight for the veracity of our moral and legal and constitutional views the same way these SOBs fight for their illegal, illogical, and immoral ideas? That's our challenge. And it's hard. It's hard doing this after 30 years of a Republican Party unnaturally selling us out. Obviously, the president did nothing. It's been proven already that this was, I mean, the FBI is saying this. This is their whole, really, impetus for spreading this blood libel that there's right-wing attacks everywhere and basically using that as an excuse to have a military state and sack civil liberties. But nonetheless, they are admitting it was a pre-planned attack by certain groups, nothing to do with the broad Trump supporters that came to listen to his speech, came to protest peacefully. The attack occurred before Trump's speech. He had nothing to do with it. The words he used were not insidious, inciting like any of the things Pelosi has said, as Louis Gohmert pointed out on the House floor yesterday. So a couple of interesting things I just want to say on impeachment. Number one, so now... They're leaving the impeachment in the Senate, and they're going to start it when he leaves office. That is 100% unconstitutional, in case you don't already know that. They think that because there's a provision in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 3, Clause 7, that talks about um, barring or disqualifying someone who was convicted of impeachment, to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under under the United States. But the thing is, that's not an independent clause. It's not like, hey, anytime I want, I could disqualify a president. It piggybacks off a removal from office. You impeach, you remove from office, and then you could slap a provision on it that you are barred from office for life, from running for office, from being a cabinet member, But if you're not removing him because he's already out of office, there's no impeachment. And if there's no impeachment and removal, there's no disqualification. It's completely unconstitutional. If you take what they're doing to its logical conclusion, you know what it would mean? It would mean that if, let's say conservatives ever got control of Congress, they could retroactively impeach Obama and disqualify him from from office. Now I don't know if he wants to run for office, but you know people were floating the idea of Trump of of Obama 
being attorney general or something like that. So technically, if you're impeached and removed, you'd be disqualified, but only if it's a valid impeachment. So according to them, we, we, we could do that to Jimmy Carter is still alive. It makes no sense. It's unconstitutional. But then again, a provision affecting one man is the least of our concern when they are sacking the Bill of Rights left and right. Then you got Mitch McConnell. Wasn't it interesting how Mitch was like, oh, you know, we, we, might, we, might, we might vote to convict. And then he backs off. When he saw the polling from Republican voters, when he started to see, holy smokes, this is going to be a backlash like I've never seen before. See, this is what I noted yesterday. I want these cowards to stand up and tell us what they believe about their base voters. Because then we could actually start a new party or clean out the party. But now we won't be able to do it. At the end of the day, there were only 14 House members. And I know that sounds like a lot to vote for something that egregious, and it is. But let me tell you, there's a lot more undocumented traitors in the party than you think. And then you move on to the Senate. And it's really almost all of them would vote to remove him, but they're too scared to. This is classic McConnell. He, he puts his finger in the wind. Folks, I want you to listen to an ad I ran for the Madison Project PAC. When I was recruiting candidates, I recruited against Mitch McConnell. I crafted this ad. You can find it on YouTube called Mitch McConnell Finger Licking Fraud. Take a listen. This year marks the 24th Annual World Chicken Festival in Southeast Kentucky, where people come to taste some finger-licking food. But for almost 30 years, Kentuckians have been forced to stomach the biggest chicken of all, Senator Mitch McConnell, a finger-licking fraud. When conservatives in the Senate fought against amnesty for illegal immigrants, where was Mitch McConnell? Too busy trying to decide what he believed. When President Obama wanted to spend the hard-earned dollars of Kentucky families and go $2.4 trillion in debt, where was Mitch McConnell? Too chicken to oppose it. When President Obama proposed engaging in the Syrian Islamic Civil War, where was Mitch McConnell? Undecided until the very last minute. And when conservative senators Ted Cruz and Mike Lee asked senators to join them in a fight to defund Obamacare, where was Mitch McConnell? That's right, he refused to join the fight and instead said parts of the bill were okay. Let's stick with the chicken on our plate, not in the Senate. Folks, I drafted that in, what, what was it, 2014, almost seven years ago. I was ahead of the time. I knew he was a fraud. No one listened. They made a hero out of him. And this is what we're caught with. He's the GOP leader. At present... After Trump leaves office, he's the highest-ranking GOP leader. How much longer are we going to go on like this? We don't have time to waste on this phony party. Now, I want to move on to some good news and bad news, but it demonstrates kind of where we're at. The Constitutional Sanctuary Movement. If everyone's looking for what's the new Tea Party, what's the new Trump movement? And I've always said it's important to have somewhat of a leader and leadership to help guide it, but it's important that a movement be divorced from a person and it be about ideals. 
And there's no greater ideal than having a, an asylum for mankind for civil and religious liberty. This is, this is what it comes down to. We're not seeking any special treatment. We're not seeking even influence over government. We just want to be left alone. The federal government won't leave us alone. And numerous states will not leave us alone. Are there any parts of the country where we could send our kids to school without child abuse? Where we could open a business? Where we could live freely? Where we could not be punished for our views and our speech? Where we could defend ourselves and not get prosecuted? While criminals that genuinely act violently, whoever they are, are punished. I basically described for you the preamble of the Constitution. That's why we have one. That's what we want. That's all we want. Nothing more, nothing less. One thing we have to consider. When you're gaming out, this is the mistake the conservative movement has made for years. I mean, the genuine conservatives. I'm not talking about the grifting conservative ink, but even good guys, is that they don't look ahead of the curve. They're busy fighting what has been what's there now, and they don't think that the next step could happen. Well, when you have 25 steps of tyranny, you can no longer say that, I don't think 26 through 30 will happen. It likely will happen. This was the mistake we made in March when people were like, yeah, it's scary, the virus, I don't know. It's kind of funny that government could really lock us down, but okay, it's two weeks, let's see what happens. Once we let that out, we didn't see where this was headed. It wasn't a legitimate concern about the virus. And it certainly wasn't 15 days to flatten the curve. We gave away our liberty. Then we have this new emergency of right-wing terrorism, so to speak. And we're thinking, okay, they're clamping down on people that rioted. If you're watching the amalgamation of what's going on now with all of big tech silencing us, big business silencing us, Airbnb, so every, everyone, but then simultaneously the government is coming along beside them using the same language, putting people on no-fly lists, hunting people down, anyone who is even there. If you think we are not already at the point where the FBI and various nefarious state governments are going to start to criminalize um, our views, you're not paying attention. Sam Adams warned about this in the Boston Gazette, October 7, 1771. The liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards and it is our duty to, to defend them against all attacks. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wrested from us by violence without a struggle or to be cheated out of them by the artifices of false and designing men. I believe he wrote a week later in the Boston Gazette. This was, um, I think, October 14th. Let us remember that if we suffer tamely a lawless attack upon our liberty, 
we encourage it and involve others in our doom. It is a very serious consideration which should deeply impress our minds that millions yet unborn may be miserable sharers in the event. Now, the thing is, we don't have to look towards millions unborn. This is us in a few months from now, if not weeks, based on the pace this is going. Madison warned, and again, this this is the mistake we made last year. I mean, I didn't make it. It is proper to take alarm at the first experiment on our liberties. First experiment on our liberties. We hold this prudent jealousy to be the first duty of citizens and one of the noblest characteristics of the late revolution. The freemen of America did not wait till usurped power had strengthened itself by exercise and entangled the question in precedence. Look how beautiful that language is. This is where we're at. Well, you know, what could they do for COVID? Could they rape you or murder you? Well, is it 70, is it 50% capacity or 25% capacity? Do you have to wear a mask while having sex or just everywhere else? This, this, this is where we're at now. Precedence. And now we started a precedent of emergencies. So there's emergency blood libel, and that's why they're creating the blood libel. Because they already created the right to crush liberty when you have an emergency. So now you just need to create the emergency through a blood libel. We don't have a day to lose. If you got, I, I mean, again, in blue America, we lost. It's, it's North Korea with a printing press. If you look at what's happening with the Biden administration, they're promising to throw like thousands of dollars at people. It's North Korea. We're going to be locked down. No freedom of speech, but they'll throw money at you. That's the difference between America and North Korea. So we don't have a minute to waste in the red counties and states. Now, the good news is the sanctuary movement is beginning to take root. At least in word. I and mean, again, this needed to be done months ago. By now, we need to be at the physical aspect of this. But where is this? The town of Monument, Colorado, voted 7-0. to zero, Condemning the unconstitutional limitations imposed upon the freedoms by the governors of Colorado. They said they're not enforcing anything there. It's in El Paso County, Colorado. Bargara County, Michigan is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. This is really how it needs to be done. I like the way they did it. There was a letter signed by the sheriff, Joe Brogan. Maybe I'll try to get him on the show. As well as the county commissioners, the clerk of the county, the treasurer, and the prosecutor. Our citizens' rights to assemble, to freely practice their religion, to travel, to keep their property, businesses, and jobs, even to dress as they please, have all been swept aside, and to what end? You know, as they note that it hasn't worked, obviously. And um, where is this? The letter reads further, We hereby put the state of Michigan on notice that we have no intention of participating in the unconstitutional destruction of our citizens' economic security and liberty. We further declare our intention to take no action whatsoever in furtherance of this terribly misguided agenda. Delta County, a little bit, a couple counties over in the Upper Peninsula there as well. Um, Noah Davis, one of our uh, Minutemen, 
And again, you could join Miniman Speakeasy. It's a private page, but you could ask to be joined. You'll be let in right away. Sanctuarycounties.com. Noah Davis has a website, sanctuarycounties.com. Terrific website, um, gathering information on what's going on. But the reality is, what I'm seeing is this needs to be taken to the next level. It needs to be taken to the next level. Because basically what they're saying, if you read some of these things, and, and God bless them for taking the first step, but they're like, look, you know, if the state comes after you, you got to just see what you're going to do. The, you know, we can't help you. But no, the, the, the doctrine of least magistrate, where you take the lowest level of government and push back against the higher levels of government, all those people, all county officials in red counties, these are roughly counties that are Trump won by like 25 points or so. They need to band together within the county, cross county lines, that they are going to fight the state governments. That they are going to surround the businesses, the people, the county officials, and the sheriff's deputies, and not let the tyrannical stormtroopers come in. And look, it needs to be done at a state level as well. What is it? I haven't found states doing this yet. I'm trying to push in state legislatures. Republicans have 31 state legislatures. 24 of them with trifectas. At least 15 with very strong majorities. Where if they have a Democrat or Rhino governor, they could override the veto. This should be done immediately. So you have a state level too. And even in a place like Michigan where you have a Democrat governor, you have a Republican legislature, at, don't, don't make it a law, but make it a concurrent resolution that doesn't require the governor's signature to at least express the view of the legislature. So again, you make it, I mean, this is what it is. Martin Luther King, one has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. And he was talking about laws on the books. These are edicts that violate the laws on the books. They're executive orders. But the more government institutional clout you get, the better it is for a number of reasons. It's easier. It's also, again, we don't want chaos. That's always the question. Like when you resist the tyrannical government, what comes next? So the more you harness Existing legitimate institutions, the better. And again, this gets back to, you know, constitutioncoach.com and our trip to Frontside Nevada. I'm going to start calling sheriffs and offering them to join Sheriff Mark Lamb from Arizona, a couple others, this sheriff's posse idea where you deputize your citizens. So, and, and, you know, a lot of them don't have money to do the training, but, you know, you go out through Constitution Coach, they'll pay for it. And we'll do it at front site. And they could recognize that training because they have the best training there, better than what the counties would offer. And it serves several, several purposes. Number one, obviously, it's a bulwark against violence committed by anyone. I don't care if it's a, a right-wing violence, left-wing violence, anyone who's being violent and, you know, whatever. So it helps the sheriffs out. But number two, we need to establish communal ties with the sheriff so it's not just like the sheriff going out on a limb, I'm not enforcing it. But where they're together and they're working together as part of a posse where we will resist. I want to make it very clear. I will never support 
any violence in an offensive way to just randomly attack people and things and break things because we have legitimate grievances. That's not the American Revolution. But what is the American Revolution is, if they are going to use force on our life, liberty, and property, take a single mom business owner, Larvita's in in court today, who knows what's going to happen to her in Minnesota. It is the responsibility of the community, of the elected community officials and the sheriffs, to come together and resist. As a purely defensive maneuver. It's in the Declaration, it's in the state constitutions, and if this doesn't warrant it, you tell me what does. You tell me what could be a greater violation of this. And what's furthermore, why we need to have this local pushback, community ties and meetings, we have to talk about how we're all going to take groups of 10 to meet with your sheriff. Here's why it's important, because it's not just COVID. They're coming for us. Obviously, in an era of Biden and and tyranny, what they're going to do is we're obviously going to have to organize Tea Party type of organizations. They're going to designate them as terrorists. They're going to spy on us. They're talking about that already. They're treating all peaceable assembly, peaceful assembly, the bedrock of American democracy, they're as, as terrorism and outlawing it. This is why we need ties to the sheriffs. Let me read to you. What is this from the USA Today? FBI urges local police to share threat intelligence in the run up to Biden inauguration. But they're going to keep doing that even after. So what they want is basically, hey, you know, Daniel and his Minutemen are getting together in this county. Go and spy on them and snitch to the FBI. And this is how... You know, again, I'm, I'm very for not talking to law enforcement, not bringing them in because we can't trust them. But we do, we have no choice but to establish a relationship of mutual tr- trust with the local sheriff. That is what you need. And, and ahead of time, talk to the guy, look, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be holding these events. We're going to be planning. There's no violence whatsoever. It's purely defensive. And this is why we need to establish those community ties. It's going to have to happen. Now, obviously, the best way to begin is in red states, red counties within red states. Which leads me to another point I made yesterday in our video at Rumble. But for those of you who haven't seen it, and for really for all of you, it's worth repeating. Thankfully, we're all wondering, are we all going to sit and wear face burkas? Even on our kids? I mean, folks, think of something more radical that you could have ever dreamt of. Go back, what is it, January 14th, 2020. This time last year. And if I were going to tell you we're going to write a new book of 1984 of the most tyrannical things that government could have done to you, I could have never thought of indefinitely forcing school children as young as nursery and kindergarten to for seven hours a day wear burkas on their nose and their mouth, spreading germs for a virus that is not a threat to them, for a virus for which they are not vectors of spread, and for a mask that is proven incontrovertibly from 10 months of usage that it has does nothing in disrupting the mechanical, clear 
natural, seasonal, and geographical trends of a virus. So North Dakota, Trump carried this state by 34 points. Yet there's a subhuman maggot dirtbag from the pits of hell, Doug Burgum, who is turning North Dakota into North Korea. And he has a mandate on school children, including young school children. He is up for re-election. How could we stand by and him not have a primary? It makes no sense. But here's the good news. Counties are pushing back. This is from the Grand Forks Herald. After some North Dakota school districts publicly said they will not enforce the new statewide mask mandate, the Department of Public Instruction is doubling down and saying schools must follow the order. School districts are required to comply with state and federal laws, meaning the new order must be followed in school settings, according to Kristen Beesler, North Dakota Superintendent of Public Instruction. And that's uh, Bergam's administration. The order aimed at curbing the spread of COVID-19 says all people in public indoor settings must wear a face covering and in outdoor settings when social conditioning, well, they say distance, but I say social conditioning of six feet cannot be maintained. Carolyn Aide, superintendent of Tioga Public Schools, so we talked about this, of local school boards, and this is good news, said many students and teachers in the district do not wear masks in school. She said more than 60% of the community members and teachers said in a recent survey that they are not in favor of mandating masks in schools. Aide's district in northwestern North Dakota has about 470 students. I believe it's in Williams County. Trump carried this county by God knows what, 50, 60 points. Earlier this week, the district school board voted not to require masks in, in school. So this is good news. This is why you got to get in with your school board. Aid said the vote puts the district in violation of the statewide mask order. And basically, the state is going to try to clamp down on these counties. There's another county as well near that. Um, McKenzie County. Um, the sheriff there is adamant that his officers will not be enforcing the mandate. And that's the thing. So on the one hand, finally, 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 we're seeing pushback. But my God, I mean, McKenzie County, I'm not kidding you. Trump won it by like, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like 83 to 14. Okay, that's how much he won that county by. So, I mean, this should be happening in counties like that. But then we have the state government. Now, there's one thing, blue state governments, but this is North Dakota. Is going to push back on them, threatening to cut off funding. Friends, Romans, countrymen. Republicans control every statewide office in North Dakota. Republicans control the state Senate by 40 to 7. They control the state House of Representatives by 80 to 14. Those are greater margins than Democrats have in the state of California. How could it be that for even one day, the people of that state could be under the boot of tyranny and we don't do anything about it? To the point where children have to wear masks all day indefinitely with no end in sight. When forget about the Constitution, I mean, we know that doesn't matter. But scientifically, it is incontrovertible that this is less of a threat 
than typical things they get. Both my kids recently had really bad stomach viruses. I felt really horrible. You know, it's always sad seeing a six-year-old throw up a lot. And, you know, I just really felt bad for him. And, you know, that was a lot sicker than I'll ever get from COVID at that age. And yet we don't stop children from being around each other, catching flus and stomach bugs. And mind you, having young kids pass around masks is really a way to, um, this has been proven in Michigan to have spread strep throat, which is a bacteria. All the so, the developmental issues that you're going to have with children. The image of God, their face covered with this burqa. And in the state of North Dakota, we can't block this? What the hell is wrong with us? We all need to drop dead if that's, if that's what we're about. If we can't stop something that extreme, that tyrannical, that immoral, illogical, and illegal, pursuant to the natural laws that are the underpinnings of our founding documents, then we're pathetic. And I include myself in that. Doug Burgum, that dirtbag needs to go. And you know what? If he's able to win renomination, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. There should be an immediate, immediate primary challenge to Doug Burgum in North Dakota. You can't wait. You have to start now. In fact, it should be so clear within a few months that he couldn't win, that he'd either become a Democrat, which he is anyway, or wouldn't seek renomination, re-election. And again, if Trump really wants to serve a purpose and participating in an American-style revolution... If he were to go around and endorse against lockdown governors, he could remake our country in such a good way. This is where we need to go. I'm sick of the law being whatever the media says it is. Let me be very clear here. Let me be very clear. What people don't understand is the law is not even a statute passed by Congress or a state, and it's certainly not an executive edict. The law is the Constitution. Now, if a statute is passed in concert and within the boundaries of the Constitution, it's constitutional and it's lawful. But if it's not, it's unlawful. And the Constitution governs. All these judicial supremacists They obsess with Marbury versus Madison, with John Marshall, judicial review. And they're so stupid, they don't understand the lesson of judicial review. The lesson of judicial review wasn't that the judiciary has the final say over the constitutional interpretation. The thought was that the judiciary had no avenue in constitutional interpretation because it's not elected, so why should they? So if Congress passes a law or the executive branch you know, promulgates a, a policy, they automatically just have to interpret it and they can't ignore it and say to a, plaint- to a plaintiff, look, I'm going to give you relief or a defendant 
look, you know, they're they're going to charge you for opening your business during COVID. I understand that's what the edict says. I understand that's what a statute might say. But it's unconstitutional because it violates the 5th and 14th Amendments, 1st Amendment in many cases, and we're not doing this. And no one has a problem with that. Everyone's like, yeah, that's the job of a court. But Marshall didn't mean that only the courts. He meant even the courts. His whole point was, quote, this is from Marbury versus Madison, how immoral to impose it on them if they were to be used as the instruments and the knowing instruments for violating what they swear to support. In other words, he said, how could you force a judge into a case where he has to rule based on a law that he knows is unconstitutional? That's immoral. Quote, why does a judge swear to discharge his duties agreeably to the Constitution of the United States if that Constitution forms no rule for his government, if it is closed upon him and cannot be inspected by him? Now, what people take wrongly from there is that he has the sole and exclusive and final determination. No, he has a determination for the judicial power. But executive officials and legislators, everyone, federal, state, and county, everyone must follow the Constitution as they understand it. So the same way if a state passes a law, if a feds pass a law that is unambiguously unconstitutional, they say we're rounding up all Catholics, we're rounding up all Jews, whatever. Everyone knows you can't do that. Do you say, well, that's the law of the land? No, a judge has to say, look, I understand you passed that law, but I have to grant you guys relief and say you don't have to be rounded up because you have constitutional rights. Likewise, if the judiciary is tyrannical and orders people be arrested for constitutional rights, where the feds, it works all directions. It's three branches of government and three layers of government federal, state, and some form of local, municipality, township, you know, county, whatever it is, every official swears an oath, a sheriff to the state constitution and the federal constitution, even if they're not a federal office holder. So everyone's like, Daniel, what do you think? Just ignore, like, what should they do? What do you mean? If you're telling me indefinitely, I could cover your face and gag you. Indefinitely, I could shut your business down. And then now, the threat of holding conservative views. You will be criminalized. Spied upon, first, fourth, fifth, fourteenth amendments. Second amendment they're coming afterwards. Whatever your position is, you have to fight for the constitution. It's not the judges. They're one avenue. It's the people as a whole. It's the sheriffs. It's the prosecutor. It's the county judges. It's the county commissioners. It's the state legislators. Everyone together must fight for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. This should be obvious. And if we are not at that point yet, I'd like to know when we will be. Because as Madison and Sam Adams warned, John Adams warned, nip the shoots of arbitrary power in the bud. If you don't do it at the beginning, it's too late. 
For when you finally realize that you have the moral imperative to do it, you no longer have the physical ability to push back. And I'm scared we're already at that position, but we have no choice but to try. But this is the point, folks. I'm at peace. I mean, it's terribly sad that we have, you know, half of the United States that's like North Korea. But you know what? The difference between half of the United States being North Korea versus 100% of it is our very survival. Because I can live with that. But how do you have a place like, like, like North Dakota? A place like Wyoming. I believe in the Wyoming Senate. There are only two elected Democrats left in that chamber. Two. Yet they have this garbage. And look, you have Liz Cheney. And then I saw Senator Barrasso, another dog, in the Senate. He's in favor of impeachment. How do we have that from Wyoming? We've been sleeping. The primaries need to start now. The working together with our sheriffs and school boards and county commissions and state legislators need to start now. It's an all-of-the-above approach. But it's got to be bottom-up, rooted in localism. we got to harness this energy. Like I tell people. Like I tell people. Look. If you merely took everyone that was at the D- D.C. rally, and as we well know, it was peaceful. There were a group of people that had premeditated plans and then agent provocateurs from Antifa that helped stoke it. But obviously, overwhelming number of people, including Trump himself, had no idea about that. Trump was never briefed on that. It was like thousands of other Trump get-togethers that were 100% peaceful. Well, they weren't peaceful because they were usually beaten up by Antifa, and nothing ever happened. This is where we need to take it. And again, for those that are directly calling for violence and they're saying, well, everything else we've done hasn't worked. My message is we haven't done anything. We haven't done any of this stuff. That's what I'm talking about. It's just starting. And you have a moral imperative to work what you can. In the the mold of our founders, in the mold of Martin Luther King, and... We have a responsibility to stand up for each other. That's another thing. A lot of this is working off of snitching. Snitching on people for COVID. Snitching on people for, you were at the rally as if there's something wrong with that. If you weren't caught, you know, assaulting people or breaking things. Which, of course, they're now arresting people that are ju- were just there, which is just, it should, it, it, it's shocking. It's like China. Worse than China now. North Korea. So, folks, this is where it's at. If we can't organize an unbreakable bond between local officials, local law enforcement, and the community in places like North Dakota and Wyoming, then, I don't know, maybe we should just move to China. At least they don't tolerate crime there. This is our last stand. It's got to be in those states 
That's the best we can do. This was Madison's vision of rather than having just a federal government or just the states, having a federal union filtered through states, that if one faction would try to take over, they couldn't take over absolutely everywhere. And that's the thing. If there really are 75 million of us, and largely very much disproportionately concentrated in certain areas. So in other words, in a lot of areas, it's not just 51%, but it's 75% of the people, 80% of the people, or 65% of the people. That's where we need to make our stand. And then again, over time, the more we do that, the more we're going to push back against the other side, the more we'll make it undesirable for leftists to live there, just like it's undesirable for us to live in California and the Northeast. And then over time, we're going to have what, you know, whether whether we say it sorrowfully or not, but anyone who's intellectually honest should agree to this proposition, what we ultimately need to be able to live agreeably is a two-state solution. And, you know, you would hope that doesn't mean in, the, in a literal sense, like Czech Republic and Slovakia, but where, you know, maybe you do have a federal government, but that's very, very limited. You have a national flag. You do have a military you're, you're united behind. But where all local policies, anything that really affects your day-to-day life, is completely separated. And I think were we to do that, the, the few remaining federal issues would no longer be that important that we have to claw each other's eyes out over every last morsel of power because we feel our lives depend upon it. And if the other side takes over, we're going to die. No, I mean, we self-sort. That's what ultimately needs to happen. Everyone talks about the Civil War. Remember, that was mainly over one question. This is over everything. We can't agree on anything. So again, I welcome you to join me out there, constitutioncoach.com, February 7th in Nevada. Join me on Rumble at Harwood Citizen Sanctuary. Let's grow our Minutemen Speak Easy page. We're almost at 1,000 Minutemen. Um, we're going to have to take this to another platform at some point, but I want to be able to take as much out of the larger platforms before we get deplatformed or are forced to leave, which I definitely want to leave. But let's keep our eyes on the ball. Big tech is not, I mean, it's horrible what they're doing. It's not even the biggest problem. It's that we are not even utilizing the map to have basic, basic humanity and liberties in Trump plus 35 states. We can't blame the Democrats for what's going on in those states. Okay? So if we can't either control the Republican Party or supplant it, that is our fault. And frankly, if more people in my business who had larger platforms than I do would be pushing this, we would have a free country. But, you know, people have to grift and sell books and make money rather than doing what's right. And and, and like, that's another thing I never understood. If I wanted to earn a lot of money, I would have gone into a different business. Again, I'm not doing this to brag. I'm doing it so you understand where things are at. I won't tell you how much money I earn, but I will tell you, put it this way, as a married couple with kids, 
I earn enough to be getting the stupid stimulus checks in full. So just um, just realize that. And I think that's really what makes the difference. Some of these people, they earn so much money, they, they, they just don't feel a sense of urgency. So we need to grow a new movement. We need to properly define it. And again, through all the darkness, there's a lot of opportunities because now everyone realizes we have to do that surgery that we really always needed to do. So again, send me your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Till tomorrow, stay safe, keep the faith, keep the fight, and God bless you all. 